This is Dalio's Principles, a philosophical examination. The unofficial podcast companion for Ray Dalio's book, Principles. This podcast will deeply explore the book and principles. The podcast is hosted by Micah Bays and John Sextro. Micah has a PhD in philosophy and has taught numerous college philosophy courses, including The Meaning of Life, Ethics, and Reason and Argument. John shares his perspective from years of experience trying to live out Ray's principles in his life and work. And you can follow us on Twitter. Micah is at Micah Bays, all one word. And I am at John Sextro, all one word. And now, this week's episode. I'm Micah Bays. I'm John Sextro. We're back here again with Dalio's Principles, a philosophical examination. In this episode, we're going to be talking about uh, the mid-level principle 2.6, and it says, remember that weaknesses don't matter if you find solutions. And Micah, as I was rereading this uh, mid-level principle again, I noticed that the word humility is really in this chapter or in, in this section uh, significantly. And it's a small section, but it's in there a number of times. And it seems like one of the main focus areas for this is humility. And it's it's sort of right there baked into the principle itself is saying, you know, don't worry that you have these weaknesses. They really don't matter because all that matters is that you, you figure out a way to um, solve them in some way that you, you either improve or that, you know, you find some other way to accomplish the thing that's going on. And so humility seems to play just a really big role in this. And, and I think overall, as you read through the book, you, you just hear oftentimes or see um, aspects of how you have to think about yourself, thinking deeply about what you're, what you're good at, what you're not so good at. And humility is just plays a really key role in everything that um, we need to do and discuss in terms of the principles. Right. And I think, you know, one of the things to keep in mind here, right, is uh, not that you don't, but just for all of us, um, you know, we're here where he's talking about that weaknesses don't matter, right? He's certainly talking about in the context of achieving a goal, right? He's going to say, look, weaknesses don't matter. They don't prevent you from getting your goals or you know, achieving your goals as long as you find solutions, right? Now, what we do with certain, you might say, weaknesses that we have, you know, I think a lot of us probably feel like we should be able to do everything, right? If if there's something I'm not good at, you know, that's some kind of you know, almost like a character flaw uh, of ourselves. Yeah, you've talked you've talked about this before in in terms of worrying that it's a character flaw, but I don't think I don't think it's about that, right? I mean, I don't think it's about being a character flaw. Right, I agree. And so once we get past that, that here we're just assessing what are our skills, right? We shouldn't feel like we should have all the skills, and I think that's one of the reasons you know Ray points out that. He, you know, at one point, you know, in this principle, he talks about all of the different aspects or skills that would go in to the five-step process and being able to do each part well. And he points out, look, there's probably nobody who can do each of these five things well. That's just not something, right? Given that human makeup, you know, that we're able to do well, you know, all of them individually. Yeah, it's a lot to ask. It's it's five very different things, so it'd be hard to find that in one given one individual that they have, they're really strong at all five of the, the components of the five step process. Right. I, I wonder about the, I wonder often about people reading this 
And if they're reading the book with a group, are they reading it by themselves? Because I think I definitely have a tendency to try to try to sort of foist all of the responsibilities upon myself. So anything that we're doing that I'm doing, I'm very, you know, centric in in terms of my focus and that it's me. I've got to do these things. I've got to do all of the things. And if you're reading this book as an individual uh, for for yourself, maybe you're a small business owner or maybe you work independently or whatever the case may be, maybe even you work in a big company, but you you sort of are a a person unto yourself. You do a specific thing. You don't necessarily work within a team. And then seeing that you don't have to rely on yourself all of the time and hearing this advice of, you know, try to find someone that can help you. I, that that might be a challenge for some people. And I've been speaking with some uh, some teams around here recently and, and asking, um, well, the, the, the subject came up about asking for help. And, uh, and somebody pointed out, you know, I never even thought that I could ask for help. And I just, it just made me think. And I was like, yeah, that's sort of the way I am as well. You know, like I just would not, that would not be the first thing that came to my mind would be to ask for help. But if you just don't even know that you can like mechanically ask for help, then you're certainly not going to get past any mental state that you might have that makes you believe or think that you should be able to accomplish all of these things by yourself. Right. I know I definitely have a self-sufficient streak in me as far as I want to be able to do everything myself. Yeah. If we want to be able to fix that ice machine, <laughs> that ice maker ourselves or or whatever the, the problem is. Absolutely. Whether you're willing to look for help also depends not only on your you know, once you recognize you can't do something yourself, your willingness to ask for help can also just depend on your environment, right? Particularly, you know, here, you know, in our context, our workplace environment. You know, if you have, if you're in a workplace environment that doesn't allow people to be honest, right? If you know that if you admit a weakness, other people in the company will you know, look down on you for that or um, distrust you for that, you're going to be hesitant to bring up your weaknesses with others. But you know, if you're in a culture that respects honesty and respects, hey, let's just be honest about what we can and can't do and let's work together. That makes it much easier at least. So how easy this is going to be for people who are listening to implement is going to, of course, depend on what kind of workplace they're in. That's a really good point. And I, I neglected to consider the fact that it might be the workplace that's putting some of these constraints on those individuals. Um, I guess I always sort of assumed that, you know, any place I worked, I could ask somebody for help. And I had also gotten to a point in my life very early on where I was very honest with others about what I could do and what I couldn't do. And even more than that, I became very focused on asking people to give me feedback uh, directly rather than, you know, going through my boss or uh, through my direct manager, something to that extent where I, I was I was showing that I want, knew I didn't know everything. I knew I wanted to improve and would try to enlist people to help me. But that's me and that's my specific experiences. And I have learned that there are a number of workplaces that people have worked at and come from and that are still out there in existence today where asking for help or um, seeming like you maybe don't have all of the answers, especially if it's with, you know, within the realm of maybe a core competency that you're getting paid to do. I mean, that just would be pretty unacceptable in some organizations. And so people might be extremely 
trepidatious about this just because of their working environment. Yeah, I, I was actually talking to a developer uh, last week, another software developer, and he was talking about how at his previous company, there were kind of some of the business people um, related to the product that he was developing. And one of them noticed that this person kept asking other team members questions about the product. How does it do this? Why does it do this? Um, just trying to get information, which, you know, if you work in software, you know that software can be very complicated, almost impossible for any one developer to know everything about the system. And so if you're going to do your job well, you have to ask questions, right? You have to have the humility to tell your teammates or ask your teammates, hey, I don't understand this part of the code. What's going on here? The business person actually pulled the other person aside and said, "You know, I don't understand why you don't understand everything about this. You know, it bothers me that you're asking so many questions." And so, you know, that's just one example of an environment where it may not be safe to ask questions or to express right that you have a weakness. And that has, I can imagine that that would have and could have significant downside to that organization uh, if you're if you feel like you're under the microscope in that way. And it would prevent you from being able to ask those questions or ask for help. Then this is, you know, this, you're maybe not always going to find the optimal solution or even find a solution at all, or even really be able to effectively do what is necessary. And this, in this case, it has nothing to do with that individual being humble. It has to do with just the constraints that they're faced with in, in their organization and their job. And, and so maybe that has a tendency to, I don't want to say drive the humility out of people, but maybe it drives them to hide the fact that they don't know things or when they don't know things or if they have questions. Right. Yeah. Their attitude may be one that they're willing to, they're willing to ask the question, but they also know from a pragmatic perspective, you might say, from protecting their career, they've got to keep silent. And if it's really about getting the job done and getting it done in the best way possible, that's going to be damaging to that company and to their uh, output, whatever it may be, if um, if you've got people that are, are getting stuck because they feel like they don't have a safe environment to be humble enough to ask those questions. Right. Ray gives us some tips as to how to deal with this. And we already talked to, at least I mentioned them as I was going through the introduction here, Micah, that you can, you can try to shore yourself up in the areas where you might need help or you can, so meaning improve your skill, get better at whatever the thing is that you need to be able to do. Maybe it's a technical skill. Maybe it's a, a softer skill in terms of like just having relationships and building trust and things like that, or get somebody to help you. Right. You know, and you know, one of the things he's talking about here, right. You know, that Ray's really focusing on is the five step process. You know, if he's talking about how people have, you know, different weaknesses of those five areas, those five steps, you know, some are good at step one, you know, setting a goal. Another person might be really good at diagnosis of a problem, but they're probably not good at all five of those. But yeah, if you recognize that you aren't good at one of these, you can first try to, yeah, make yourself better at it. That's one option. And maybe you can, but then it seems like there's some that, you know, you probably just, your brain just doesn't work that way. And you should, maybe you can make it better, but it's not going to be good enough, you might say. And so, yeah, the other option then, of course, is to find someone who is good at that thing. So you're not good at making goals might be, okay, I'm going to talk with someone else who, in talking with me, they can help me identify what goals it makes sense to set. We operate the podcast on the value for value model. We're entirely listener supported. 
If you enjoy the podcast and find value in the information and entertainment you receive, visit our website at daliosprinciples.fireside.fm slash donate. You can also help us grow by promoting us on social media. So get out there and tell all of your friends about the podcast and help us spread the word. And now back to the show. Or at least help help you make sure that the goals that you're setting are are good and in, in just in, intrinsically good, like in terms of the foundation of the goals. Is it something that's clear? Is it attainable? You know, do you have some steps in there to tell you those sorts of things? Maybe that's where you're not good at the goal setting goals. Right. Yeah. Maybe you can come up with some kind of vague goals and they can kind of hammer it out a little bit with you and make sure it's a good goal. You know, like one of the things Ray talks about being measurable, something that you can have some sense of whether you're getting closer to attaining it or not. Yes. They could help you just kind of mold the goals that you start off with. Because that's a key component of doing this, or at least, you know, it's, it's a recommendation to say, try to find somebody that can help you. That's why I started the whole conversation about understanding how people are interacting with the book and with the principles. Do they have those resources? Do they have other people available to them who they can engage with on these things? Because it can be really hard. And I remember um, talking about self-improvement and a focus that we tend to have in self-improvement to only focus on the things that we're, we're not doing well and trying to always work on improving the things that we're not doing well in. And uh, somebody made an analogy to like sports and baseball and said, you know, if you were, maybe you're a pitcher, you're a really good pitcher or you're an above average pitcher, but you're a terrible hitter, you know, working to, so you, the thing you're worst at is hitting but on a baseball team, uh, you're not typically looking to that pitcher to really have a lot to contribute in the area of hitting. You're more interested in that pitcher being an effective pitcher. Does it make sense for the pitcher to work on his hitting if what's really most important is is their pitching? And you have other people on the team to do the hitting, you do the pitching. You know, So there's there's that to consider. It's not that you always need to focus on improving the areas that you're not good at because Maybe you can just find somebody else that can help you do the thing that you're not so good at. Right. And then, of course, you know, one of the things that follows from this as far as what is also important is if you're going to find people to help you with your weaknesses, you know, you're going to want someone who has a strength in that area that's your weakness. But now, of course, it means you've got to be figuring out what the people are like around you, right? What are their skill sets? Who's good at creating goals? Who's good at diagnosing a problem? You know, who's good at designing a plan? And so as you were talking about someone who maybe works in a more isolated environment, that could be a little bit tricky because how are they going to evaluate that? I wish I had some good tips for this, but I don't. Um, Because on the one hand, they may have to just go off someone's word um, and say, hey, are you good at creating goals? I have a problem with that. And the other person might say, yeah, I'm great at creating goals. Well, how do you know that they're great at creating goals? Whereas if you work with someone on a team and pretty consistent basis, maybe you know, oh yeah, this person has certain goals that they're setting and I can see that they actually achieve them, you know, something like that comes more difficult when someone works in isolation. It takes humility to assume or to, to consider that someone else is even better at a thing than you are. Because I know very frequently my first thought is always, well, I can do this better than anybody else can. And then I I have to remind myself, wait a second, is that how, how likely is that to be (laughs) accurate that I can do all of these things better than someone else can? And even if I still think that in this particular case, I've always found that being open-minded and getting input from others, uh, regardless of how well I think they might be able to do the thing, 
maybe it's designing the plan, that being open-minded to what they have to say can be enlightening, even if it's not instructive or informative in terms of you know, helping me elevate my game. It, it helps me open up my thinking to consider things that I hadn't thought of previously. So just having the humility to speak with someone else about something, work through it, can often broaden your horizons, open you up to other ways to think about how to do things. And just that conversation can often help you improve. Yeah. And actually, now that I think about it, I do have an example of uh, a way you might be able to find other people who um, have strengths where you have weaknesses if you are in an isolated environment where you typically aren't working with teams. So a previous boss of mine, who was the owner of a small company, I know uh, he mentioned that he would go to a a particular meetup group of other small business owners. They had to be very careful about, I think for legal reasons tonight, to not give each other advice, but they would just have to, you know, one person would raise a question or uh, mention a problem they were having and other people, they couldn't tell the person who spoke what to do, but they could just say, here's how I managed the situation, right? <laughs> and it's not giving advice. It's just saying, here's how I dealt with it. But that is a scenario where you might get to know other people who are working kind of in a similar environment as yourself, you know, a similar subject matter, in this case, like small business owner or other meetup groups or something like that. But that's the way you, he got to know some other people and he might have been able to identify some people who had strengths where he had weaknesses and so on. Yeah, it's great to have access to external people like that. And not just in the case where you might be isolated, either because of the culture of your company or because of how you work, but just in general, even if you're in a company that um, you know is very, is very open and, and provides you with the capability to speak with others and ask questions and find experts. I mean, it's always good to reach outside of those, those immediate people around you just to broaden, broaden the reach and, and broaden getting that message out and learning from people that maybe you didn't even consider before and, and broadening out into meetup groups like that in your area, or, you know, even talking to people over the internet and in groups on the internet sometimes can be helpful in finding, uh, finding, communities of interest out there, whether it's around some sort of social media platform or something where people are exchanging ideas, the, the more you reach out, more open you open yourself up to become. So John, uh, Ray's talked about the importance of identifying the one step that you are the weakest at, right? Of the five steps. So we have uh, setting goals, um, identifying problems, diagnosing the cause of the problem, and the last one, execution. Which of those five would you say you're the weakest at? Well, I know for sure that I'm I'm the best at creating problems. <laughs> so screwing up is where I where I excel, um, as you know. So uh, I think the one that I I have the most difficulty with is when it comes to um, designing the plan. I think is is most difficult for me, and I think it's because I tend to n- focus narrowly on what's been done before and how what do I need to do to fix it, rather than considering more broadly, you know, how else can, what else could I consider? Who else could I consult to help me look at problems differently or or think about designing a solution differently? And then that goes back to, we talked about the last time about the difference between being a synthesizer and a shaper, you know, and that that's more of a a shaping thing. And I think I'm just sort of more or less um, weaker from the shaping perspective. Mm -hmm. What about you? Is there one that you feel like you struggle with of the five steps in the process? Uh, I I think I might say goal setting, you know, coming up with goals. And 
And I think maybe more of the process is just generating those different ideas. And maybe some of that is just from, you know, maybe not sit, you know, taking the time to think about what I want those goals to be. Partly, I know, I know this isn't exactly the scenario that Ray's talking about, but I, I think about situations with my wife where we'll be trying to figure out maybe something to do. And I'm bad at maybe offering ideas. And, and maybe it's because I'm kind of uh, an easygoing person. So it's like, well, I could do that or I could do this. You know, I don't have real strong opinions about a lot of things. And so that causes problems because then um, I'm probably strongest at is diagnosing a problem. Once ideas get suggested, then I'll start critiquing them, right? And so then that seems like a very unhelpful person. Like, oh, you won't offer any ideas yourself, but you know, you'll just say what's wrong with all of them. And it's not a um, negative attitude I have of, oh, that was a dumb idea. But I'll just start evaluating in my head, thinking through, well, this is a negative of that, or this is, oh, I guess that's a good idea for this reason. It can come across like you're just critiquing. So I have to be careful with that. <laughs> yeah, unless that's unless that's uh, the role you're being asked to play. I think it can be very helpful if you're being depended on within a group as being the person that is the critiquer of the ideas, the one that asks those hard questions when ideas are, are proffered to say, well, did we really consider this? Because there's these other things that maybe need to also be considered. That can be helpful, but right. it's not helpful when you're, you and your wife are trying <laughs> to decide where to eat dinner. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's, um, you know, later in the book, Ray talks about, you know, the team personality profile or something like that. And one of the characteristics you might have is what's called a refiner. And I really think that would fit me in the idea of, you know, I'm good at refining ideas that have already been put out there. All right. So let's wrap this up, Micah, because I think that there's basically two main takeaways as we've uh, discussed and reviewed this mid-level principle saying, remember that weaknesses don't matter if you find solutions. And I think those two things are, well, maybe there's three. Starting off with the, the statement of, you know, be humble, allow yourself to be humble and, and accept that you're, no one's expecting you, maybe other than yourself, to be great at all of these things. And then understand what your strengths and weaknesses are in terms of the five-step process. And if you need to improve in one of the five steps or more than one of the five steps, you can do a couple of things. You can yourself try to improve and get better. Uh, or, and maybe at the same time, you can ask others for help. Okay, so that's it for principle 2.6. Uh, we'll be back here next time to discuss maybe the last principle in this section, 2.7. All right, thanks, John. Thanks, Micah. Thanks for listening. Let's keep the conversation going on our subreddit, Dalio's Principles at reddit.com. The subreddit is Dalio's Principles, all one word. Join us to interact with a community of like-minded individuals. 